today on Commitment to Truth. Don't let Satan accuse you. Don't let him bring you down. Don't let him make you feel like you can't share your faith because you're not perfect. How many people are afraid to even walk in the doors of a church because they think they're not good enough? That's the accuser. You don't need to clean yourself up. That's what Jesus is here for. He's got you. And it's only because of our faith in him that we can testify. I don't care where you struggle, what areas you're weak, how many times you make a mistake. Jesus died for that. And we should still tell people about what he's done in our life. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Mike Jones, teaching pastor at Commitment Church, with today's message. We're talking about heroes, all right? And who is your hero? If I asked you that question today, um, with the popularity, rising popularity of the Marvel movies and the DC movies. That might be, you hear the word hero, that might be like the first image that comes to your mind. Uh, if you're a child inside, like I am, it is. Um, and uh, you might identify with some of these heroes. That might be something that you think of. Uh, if you're a bit more grown up and more mature and I asked you who your hero was, uh, you might think of of someone in history who has accomplished a great feat. Um, you know, Neil Armstrong being the first man on the moon or Martin Luther King, leader in the civil rights movement. Uh, you might think of a famous athlete who just has amazing talents and skills. And, um, and especially for us as believers, maybe we think of Christian athletes who are bold for their faith. Um, even in a, in a secular environment, when they put the microphone in front of them, they say they just want to thank the Lord, that might be somebody you look up to. Uh, could even be a relative, an evangelist, a missionary. There's thousands of options on this side of heaven for who a hero can be to you. But in Hebrews 11, which is the, the chapter we'll be going over for the next a uh, few weeks in the sermon series, it's commonly referred to, uh, all these biblical figures are commonly referred to as heroes of the faith. And so again, if I asked you who your hero is, how many of us would name a biblical figure? And it's funny, sometimes we call them characters, like they're fiction in a story that we tell our children. But it's not. This Bible is not a story. It's a historically accurate document with real people who lived real lives, who made real sacrifices to live in faith and follow God, to follow Jesus Christ. And so I would ask you today, and from here on out, and honestly, I mean, if, if you had asked me who my hero was, I, I, I wouldn't have either, you know? I have my own idea of heroes, a common question, and I have a common answer for that. But now that we're going through this and in preparation for this, it's like, man, it, it should be these guys and ladies. You know, if, if I call myself a Christian I, I, and I want to follow the Lord, I want to do the best I can to follow him, shouldn't my inspiration be people who've gone before me that God tells me about right here as examples 
of how to live an awesome godly life of faith, following him when no one else is. And so as we talk about these historical figures throughout the next few weeks, I would just ask that you not only identify with these these people as someone you can grab a little inspiration from, but people you can model your life after. Where you can look at Abraham and the fact that he was willing to sacrifice his own son because God told him to, because he had the faith that God was going to provide. That Noah built an ark when nobody even knew what rain was. That kind of faith. I hope that these people, for myself and for us as a church, these guys, these ladies, really become heroes for us today. They paved the way for us. So today, we'll be talking about Enoch. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 11, as I said, there's a, a, a list of historical figures who are heroes of the faith. And before we look at Hebrews 11, let's look at Genesis chapter 5. And Genesis chapter 5 tells us about the life of Enoch. We'll start in verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he became the father of Methuselah. And he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And that's it. That's the story of Enoch. There you go, in a nutshell. Pretty short and sweet. (laughs) So let's look at Hebrews chapter 11 and see what the author of Hebrews has to say about Enoch. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. That's what that taken up meant in Genesis. He didn't die. God just Snatched him up. I don't really know what that looked like. I'm not here to guess. But that's what the Bible says. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And isn't that all we need to take out of Enoch's life? Out of those three verses... Not some great, big, inspiring story. Pretty miraculous that he was just taken up and that he didn't die. Hard to wrap our heads around. But what is it that we can learn from the life of Enoch? Is that he was pleasing to God. And being pleasing to God should be good enough for us and should be something that we model our lives after. So today we're going to talk about how we can be pleasing to God. What can we glean from the life of Enoch that we can then say, okay, I can live like that. I can be like him. I too can live a life that's pleasing to God. The first part of verse five, it says, by faith. Enoch's faith was why he was pleasing to God. The definition of faith here uh, is the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of all things. The provider and bestower of eternal salvation Through Jesus Christ. Enoch knew that God was the creator. Enoch knew that God provided everything that he needed. And Enoch knew that God was going to provide a Messiah to pay the penalty for sin 
so that we could have eternal life. He didn't know that Jesus Christ was going to be Jesus Christ. He had no concept of his name. There weren't even any other prophecies yet that expounded more on who the coming Messiah was going to be. So how did Enoch know that God was going to provide a Messiah? How could Enoch have faith in the coming Messiah to pay for sin? Let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis 3.15. And this is right after Adam and Eve had sinned. They, Eve was tempted by Satan, bit of the apple, gave it to Adam. Adam followed along, right? And, and as we, we know, this is how sin and death had entered the world. And so when God found them in the garden, this passage right here that we're looking at is God laying out the penalty for their transgression. And in verse 15, this is the Lord talking to Satan, talking to the serpent. All right. Verse 15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, or I will put division from Satan between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. So that all men after this point are going to be in a battle with Satan. And he shall bruise you on the head. The seed of the woman will bruise Satan on the, head, on the head. Or the King James Version says, crush his head. Amen? And you, Satan, will bruise him on the heel. This is from the very beginning, from the moment that sin entered the world, God knew that we were going to need a savior. We were going to need somebody to save us from our sin because there's no way we could defeat it ourselves. And so if you're Adam and Eve, right, and you've received this punishment and you've heard now what God said to Satan, there's already hope. Like, all right, God's going to provide someone from from our line that's going to be our savior, that's going to cleanse us from this sin, that's going to give us victory. And if you're Adam and Eve, and you've, I mean, I, I just imagine, right? You were, you know, Adam and Eve came into this perfect, wonderful world. They messed it all up, and now they got to pass that on to their kids. Imagine having that conversation with your children. I don't even like backing out of like a beach day with my kids, right? You imagine telling them, like, yeah, things used to be great, this is paradise. But your mom and dad, you know, that's why we now endure the hardships that we have. But, children, there's hope coming. And this was passed on to Enoch. And Enoch, even way back then, held on to the faith that God was going to provide a Messiah. Shouldn't we have faith like that? Now, his faith didn't stop at believing that God was going to provide a Messiah. And all these other people in this chapter, their faith didn't stop there. Yes, I believe. I believe that there's a Messiah. For us now, Jesus, I need you to save me from my sin. Job done? Is that it? Not with these guys. Not with these ladies. Their faith resulted in action. And that's tethered to faith. 
When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we proclaim him as our savior. We hold on to the promise that we have a new life in him. That should result in an action, in a changed life. New creatures, no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness. And so with Enoch, his faith didn't stop in believing in the Messiah. But it also resulted in action. Following on in verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Obtain the witness here means, uh, in the King James, again, it says that he had this testimony. And, and testimony, obtain the witness, it's an interchangeable word in the Bible uh, that comes from the same Greek word. And it means to bear witness, to testify, to have a good reputation, to receive the testimony. Enoch testified that God was going to provide a Messiah. Enoch testified that God is who he says he was. He didn't hold it in. He didn't internalize his faith. But he was bold to put it out there. And unbeknownst to me, until uh, doing this study, he actually is referred to in the New Testament as a prophet in Jude 14. There's only one chapter in Jude, so it's just verse 14. And it was also about these men, and this is talking about wicked men and false teachers, uh, who Jude has kind of laid out as warning the church about. Um, it was about these men that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of all their ungodly deeds, which they have done uh, in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Enoch was a pretty bold dude. He really put it all out there. He wasn't really mincing words there. And, and if you think about it, right, he's the, he's the seventh generation from Adam, but he's also Noah's great-grandfather. And from what we know about the time of Noah, he was the only righteous man left on earth by the time it gets to Noah. And I don't think that that just happened like that. I would imagine that Enoch was living in a pretty wicked time, being that close to the flood. He was only like 100 years from the flood. Things were rough. And Enoch didn't hide. Enoch wasn't scared. Enoch didn't cower up, but he stood boldly for his faith. And he testified about the power of an almighty God. Thank you for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. We'll continue with the second part of the message right after this. Hello, my name is Norberto Colon Jr. and I'm a ministry leader for the worship ministry at Commitment Church, a place for all nations. I would like to personally invite you to come to one of our events this month. For the latest events, you can visit commitmentchurch.org events. And if you and your family are looking for a church, we're here on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Thank you again for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. 
We now return for the second half of our message. And so why should we testify, right? Why, why is this important to us? Let's look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. <clears throat> Revelation 12, verse 10. This is talking about the end times in this passage. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. How did we overcome him? And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb, who we put our faith in, and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life, even when faced with death. And we won't have to face death. So how much more should we be ready to have victory and testify about Jesus Christ and what he's done in our life? In here, it calls Satan the accuser. And that's what he does. He actually goes before the Lord and accuses us, points out our faults. And if you remember back in Job, that's how the whole story starts is that Satan's up there accusing Job to God, saying the only reason he loves you is because you're good to him. And God said, watch my servant. See what he does. Take everything from him. And I'm still going to overcome. That's what Job did. Forget the accuser. He accuses us. These weeks that, that I get the opportunity to do this, He's on overdrive, accusing. You're no good. You can't do it. You don't deserve to be up there. But because I have victory in Jesus Christ and he controls my life, Satan's accusations no longer matter. Of course I'm not good enough. None of us are to have access to salvation. But because of Jesus, he makes us worthy. He's the one that we should testify about. He's the one who gives us victory. And we should be telling others about that. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And we live this life by faith in the Son of God, who loves us and gave his life for us. Testify, church. Don't let Satan accuse you. Don't let him bring you down. Don't let him make you feel like you can't share your faith because you're not perfect. How many people are afraid to even walk in the doors of a church because they think they're not good enough? That's the accuser. You don't need to clean yourself up first. That's what Jesus is here for. What do we need Jesus for if we can clean up ourselves? He's got you. And it's only because of our faith in him that we can testify. I don't care where you struggle, what areas you're weak, how many times you make a mistake. Jesus died for that. And we should still tell people about what he's done in our life. Enoch gave his testimony. And we can be pleasing to God like him. When we share ours. And I know there's a lot of stories in here to be told. Right? 
Whether you're a prodigal, whether you've been raised in the church, whether you just met Jesus last week, you've got a story to tell about a changed life. And God is pleased when you share that with others. Don't let Satan trick you. Don't let him accuse you. Don't let him get in your head. Boldly share that testimony. And Jesus will provide all the words you need. Trust me. All right. How else can we be pleasing to God? How was Enoch pleasing to God? Back in Hebrews 11. No, it's not in Hebrews 11. It's back in Genesis. Back in Genesis. How was he pleasing to God? Enoch was pleasing to God because of his walk. And it says here in Genesis two times uh, that he walked with God. Again, it's the action behind his faith. He followed the Lord wherever he was. How can we walk with God? And if any of you have been in church for a substantial period of time, you know right where we're going to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians 5, verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk with the Lord. And those places that you're weak, that you're insecure about, that Satan accuses you, just keep walking with God. And you won't carry out those desires anymore. You won't make those mistakes anymore. Let's look down in verse 19. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, how many of you, when you see that list of the deeds of the flesh, and you think about your own weaknesses, the places where you struggle, get overwhelmed? You're trying to work on this area. All right, God, I've been really impatient. So I'm really, Lord, help me be patient. Be patient with my kids. I'm not going to lose my temper. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to keep it cool. And then you're, you're focusing on that. And then something else pops up. You know? And then you are got road rage. Ah, I'm so angry, you know? Or you get impatient with your spouse. Or you struggle on the job. And, oh, I'm trying to do this one. And I can't get my hands around this one because I got to do this. Don't even Think about it. Don't even think about your weaknesses. Don't even focus on them. Philippians 4.8. I'll read it to you quickly. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is of good reputation, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. 
Does that sound like your weaknesses? Does that sound like where you think you don't measure up? No. We focus on the fruit of the Spirit. We focus on Jesus Christ. Things that are worthy of praise. The blessings we have in our life. How good God is. Despite the fact we make the mistakes. Don't worry about them. Don't get tunnel vision and focus on them and become discouraged. Because guess what? You're going to keep making mistakes. It never ends. You're going to conquer one and it's another one. You're going to get over that and it's going to be another one. But as long as we stay fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, which isn't us, God perfects our faith. We're to work it out with him. Work out your faith with fear and trembling. Work with God. Focus on him. Focus on the good things, the amazing things, the blessings. And all of a sudden, these places that you struggle Something's going to pop up, and you're going to be completely different. Or even your, your wife or your husband's going to look at you and be like, man, you handled that really well. <laughs> you know, you'll be on the job where you used to maybe you hit your thumb with a hammer, right? And Lord knows what's going to come out of your mouth sometimes. All of a sudden, gone. And it's not because you sat there every day in your truck and said, I'm not going to curse today. It's not going to happen. I'm going to think about it all day. And then you can't even think about anything else. How can you even hear from the Lord or, or see an opportunity to share the gospel if you're so worried about your sin? It'd be completely preoccupying rather than walking in victory. Lighten up. God is good no matter what you did. As long as you put your faith in him, that's it. And then walk it out. Figure it out. He'll show you. And it's so freeing. Ugh. I find I'm like, I can be pretty legalistic on myself. Oh, I keep making mistakes. I'm so awful. Yeah, not perfect. That's why I need Jesus. That's what makes it so freeing. And why we can have peace. Why we can have hope. Why we can have the joy of the Lord in our lives that people can't mistake. Enoch was pleasing because he walked with the Lord. And also, in, uh, at the, uh, let's look on in verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. Um, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. When you look for God, you'll find him. If you seek him, when you seek him with all your heart, he will show you exactly who he is. But that seek, again, that's an action. We have to put our faith into action. Look for the Lord. Seek him out. Read your Bible. Pray. Worship him. Think about him outside of these walls, outside of church. Surround yourself with believers who can encourage you and bring you closer to the Lord. Yes. Amen. We, we talked about uh, spiritual gifts uh, on Friday night with the men's group, right? And, and in there, uh, there's, there's walking by the Spirit, which we just read, right? And we all have that capability. But then there's also individual gifts that when you become a Christian, God gives you. And he gives each a measure of a certain gift because we're all one body. 
And so exercise that gift that the Lord has given you. And where you struggle, find a believer who's strong in that area that can encourage you. We're not going to be perfect all the time, but because we're a body of believers, where you're weak, there's somebody else here who's strong. If you struggle with that faith, find somebody whose faith is on 100. They'll boost you up. Trust me. Serve if that's your gift. Teach if that's your gift. Be hospitable. Be generous. These are gifts that we all have in varying degrees. And if you hear that and you feel like, that's, that's me, don't worry about what you don't have. Use what you do have and bless the body of Christ. That's how we can walk out our faith. We can put our faith into action. And the more we put our faith into action, the less we become encumbered by the things of this world. So look at Hebrews 11, verse 13. We're going to read verse 13 through 16. All these died in faith without receiving the promises. Except for Enoch. He lived in the faith. He didn't die. But it's still talking about him too, though. Okay? All these died or were taken up in faith without receiving the promises, without seeing the coming of the Messiah, right? But having seen them and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking about the country which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. And he has prepared a city for you. That's exactly what Jesus told his disciples. I go to prepare a place for you. And then they stood there and waited. He's coming right back. But he's coming back. And he's got a place for us, a place for you, where there's no sickness, there's no death, there's no pain, there's no struggle, just perfect joy, peace, and love, and unity with him forever and ever, amen. And we need to hold that into our hearts when we're walking out our faith. We need to be completely disconnected from the cares of this world. And the more we walk in that faith, the more we put our faith into action. There's a, an old hymn that says, the things of this world will grow strangely dim. Because you, you realize, man, I'm, this is not my home. There's another hymn. I, I grew up on hymns. You know. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And that's what we're doing. We're just sojourners, strangers in a strange land because we don't belong here anymore. But while we're here, let us walk out our faith just like Enoch. Let us testify about our faith. Be bold. Don't let Satan accuse you. Don't let him get in your head. Don't let him make you feel like you're not this, that, or the other. You are. You are creation of the Lord. Before you were even in your mother's womb, it says he knew you. 
It said that he has prepared works for you to walk in. He's paved the path. It's just for us to walk in it. See the amazing things that God has done. And see the things of this world grow strangely dim. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that we would be, live lives that are pleasing to you, God. I pray that our faith would be bold. It would be strong like Enoch's was and these other heroes of the faith. I pray that these people would be people who we draw inspiration from. That before we look to the people of this world, God, we would focus on your word, on your Bible, on the people you've already given us to look up to. Ultimately culminating, Lord, I pray that we would follow Jesus Christ. That we would be disciples of him, of your word, God. I pray for those who need to put their faith in you, God. I pray for those who haven't, Lord. I pray for those who are still seeking for you, but have not yet accepted the gift of eternal life. That they would turn, that they would confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. I pray for those who put their faith and trust, Lord, that it wouldn't just stop there, God. I pray that we would put our faith into action. That our faith wouldn't be dead, but that it would be supernaturally alive, God. A bright light for all around us to see. I thank you for these truths from your word, Lord. I thank you for the life of Enoch. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to try and strive to be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to our series, From Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.